everyone welcome to seated with strangers this season we are exploring the topic of reimagining community and culture my name is ajua and i'm seated with my beautiful sis whitney my amazing sis kwase and on today's episode we are talking about the culture and what's going on let's jump into it so recently affirmative action was overturned Mm, r.i.p to affirmative action and since then we've seen people express that this is a great opportunity for hbcus and encouraging their enrollment We've also seen where Charles Barkley has left $5 million in his will for Auburn University to ensure diversity still happens. Do we think that we have to choose between encouraging people to attend HBCUs over giving giving to PWIs like Charles did? Do y'all think that's something that we have to do? So I'm choosing violence, so I don't know, like, because... (laughs) I have, I have, I just, I just, it's like a a broad feeling about this topic. Like affirmative action, it shouldn't, first of all, it shouldn't have taken this overturning of affirmative action for people to finally be like, oh yeah, we have HBCUs. I think as a society, our biggest problem is we continuously want a seat at a table that we know we're not wanted at that table. And it's, I think it it becomes being more less about equality because it, it's just not. And I just think that we should have been having this energy with HBCUs so long ago. Do you know how many yeah. HBCUs have closed because of low enrollment? I just think that shouldn't be like we have spaces where we're welcome to learn, to be around other people that look like us, to explore us, to get real education. And we still choose to attend these PWIs and we wear it like a badge of honor at times. I mean, it's a great achievement if people have gotten into Harvard and, and Princeton and all of those schools. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. However, that's not our table. So yeah. I felt like this, I, 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 the, uh, the overturning of this, I appreciated it because now people are like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's HBCUs. So mm-hmm. that's, that's my stance with that. Yeah. <sighs> I yeah, yeah. I feel I I'm so with you, Kwase, because I feel like I've been obviously not being in uh, America as you guys know. I am from the UK, but you know I've I've been watching this, and something that I have been feeling for such a long time is where is this backing? Like I feel like we have all this chat about black this and black and I buy black and and I'm like but we don't put the same because I'm like we have the ability to fund and resource these spaces that literally are suited for us like I don't get how we're now kind of like oh my god I can't believe I'm like our energy should have always I'm so I'm getting loud Jesus I thought that but our energy Mm -hmm should have always been, I'm backing, I'm backing us. And like you said, Kwase, I am, listen, if you get into Harvard and you want to go there, God bless you. Like, I'm not, I'm not even saying you have to choose a HSBCU, a HB, say the thing for me, girl. HBCU. (laughs) 
I'm not even saying that you have to choose that. But what I am saying is this outrage and this outwar that's now happening. I'm like, guys, these things have, we've had these for like, they've been here. They've been a staple of who um, the American society is, the black coat. They've been a staple there. So why now are you jumping on this bandwagon? I'm thinking about all these people that are starting their own schools and starting this charter school and starting this school. And I'm like, where was the money to go behind these actual colleges that are, well equipped to get you where you need to be in life well equipped and also well equipped to get you in the right frame of mind as a black person like like even listening i was listening to this woman and she was saying how when she went to i think i don't know if it was harvard or one or princeton and she went there and she was saying how she was one of the smartest people there and was treated like she was a dog. And it was like, bro, why am I going to put... Anyway, you know what? Let me stop. Yeah. It's true. Oh, my gosh. It is, you, like, nail head. I feel this very deeply because I rock with HBCUs. I'm proud. I'm a third-generation HBCU graduate. And I'm from Alabama. And Charles Barkley giving this money to... Auburn University, knowing the history, I know that's where he went to school. I know he's a proud alum, but to think that an institution with the history like Auburn is going to willingly invest in diversity because you put $5 million in your will for them, having to pay them to make diversity matter. So I say all that to say, Until we value the institutions that we have, we are going to find ourselves in the loop of this conversation because there are those of us who value HBCUs, who see its importance, and then there are those of us who value the culture of HBCUs. We come to the homecomings, we go to the parties, we like to wear the sweatshirts, but we are not real supporters of HBCU. Because if you're a real supporter, you're going to put your money where your support is. And if you're not giving to these institutions, especially those celebrities and people with millions of dollars, if you're not putting your dollar behind it, if you're not lending your likeness to make them popular and known, I'm sorry, but I'm not rocking with you. Because when you think about the people who came before us and the fight that they had to put up to get an education for us to act like our HBCUs don't matter and that they're second rate and that you're going to get a better education somewhere else. It's insulting to me because I spent four years on a campus. I didn't think once about my race. I just walked around carefree, happy. My biggest concern was the such and such like me, you know, is he trying to get my number? I wasn't thinking about racism for four years. And that is a beautiful experience because the 15 after that, that's all I've been thinking about. I needed those four years to give me some solace. And that's why going to homecoming is like, I need that every year to re-energize me for the world that I have to live in. Listen, I loved what you said about celebrities coming on. Like, obviously coming from the UK, I don't know much about the college life, yeah. uh, HBCUs. I don't know much about it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be real ratchet right now. I'm going to be real <laughs> ratchet. College Hill. Yeah. 
I was like, wait, I need to go there. Like, let me get famous so I can go and get an honorary right. degree. But things, and I, and I know there's ratchetness that can be sometimes attached to that. But things like that made me say, wow, like, look what they're lo- like. Why would you not want to go somewhere that was literally tailored for you and actually does a great job of preparing you for walking out into this big wide world that we walk out into. And so I feel like I'm so with you. I feel like we need to put our money where our support is because y'all bugging about affirmative action and I get it. But if we were backing the schools that are supposed to be backed, this wouldn't even bother us. It'd be like, and? And if we were putting our money where where it needed to be, Unfortunately, I work for an HBC uh, campus, a college that has an HBCU campus. Unfortunately, a lot of these institutions don't even have the infrastructure to be prepared for more enrollment because we don't have the money. So even with affirmative action going away and if more students who are traditionally going to PWIs decide to go to HBCUs, there's not enough dorms. There's not enough money for scholarships. So that's why we have to pour our support into our institutions because this would have been a great opportunity. But now those same five institutions that everybody always talks about are going to be the ones that can handle the influx of students. And then those smaller ones are not going to get the benefit of a a big enrollment push because they don't have the space for the people because we haven't invested the money. Well, didn't we just lose? We just lost. We just lost to HBCU. The last yeah. year, 2022 Lincoln. Wow. Um, 157 wow. years that school was open and they closed. But even so, I just want to, it's kind of on the topic, but not on the topic, but with the rich alumni that come out of these HBCUs, wasn't there just the whole thing, if I'm not mistaken, because I might be confusing, because it was a HU, I want to say it was Howard, where the students had to protest because of housing conditions, because they were living in mildew, they were living with rodents and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, how is that the same college that Puff Daddy, who is a almost a billionaire, graduated from? There's a long line of celebrities that graduated from Howard because Howard's homecoming was like the homecoming, even though Norfolk State, behold the green and gold. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you had to put that in there. It's okay. As a Howard alum, I'm going to let you cook a little bit. Yeah, no. And I just just felt like there should be like a a never-ending amount of money for Howard because there's a lot of rich alumni. How did that happen? You yeah, I mean? so it's just yeah. Like, like it goes to your point again. Where was this energy for the HBCUs before they overturned this? Right. And in, yeah. in a way, I'm happy that they overturned it because I feel like Americans, especially Black Americans, we have to have a catalyst, a, a huge catalyst before we yeah. are reactive to things. And we're very reactive people, which is yeah. not a good thing because it's you wait for the next thing to come and shake everything up. And then everyone is like, okay you know, let's start going to HBCUs. So Yeah. yeah. I, and I hope this is a wake up call. I really do hope this is the moment where we say we are better when we put our resources behind our own. I'm going to keep hope alive. I'll say that. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> so T Awards happened a few weeks ago and people were not happy about the show the production, and complained that there were very few A-list celebrities in attendance. 
Is the culture, BET, just showing a perspective of who we are and we should be okay with it? Or do we need to raise the bar and how we can and how can we do this? You know what? Let me let okay. I was actually in America when the BET Awards happened. I was in San Come, Come on now. And I watched the <laughs> I watched the BET Awards. I watched clips <laughs> of um bits of it as it was on. It was just on the back in the background. So I was doing work and I was watching bits of it. The collective silence. I know. <laughs> the B, you know what? I think I have to agree with the first statement in a sense that this is a replica replica of what parts of the culture look like now. It's a mess. <laughs> a hot mess. It's a mess. Yeah. I never thought I would be at the age where, you know, like, I mean, I am at the age, but I'm looking at the BET and I don't know who anybody is. Like no. I used to be all in the know, like, oh, that I don't know who any of the littles are. No. Any rapper that has little in front of his name, I cannot tell any of them apart. Okay. <laughs> I'm barely getting, I got, I think I got Meg the Stallion, um, oh. Nikki, Cardi, you know, Lotto. I'm not quite sure what song she sings yet, but I know she's somebody. <laughs> There's a couple of people whose names I know, but I stopped watching the BET awards years right. ago. I'm just going to be honest. So um, there was one year where they had a really good representation. Like they brought back all of the, the female rappers like Queen Latifah. Now that year I was tuned in and that was probably the best award show that they had. I have not watched it since because to me, BET is just too much. It's too much foolishness. Mm-hmm. Like I do need my dose of ignorance and, and ghetto because, you know, I am a Bronx girl. However, there's at a point where it's like, just stop. Like, okay, it's enough. Like the reason why they're complaining is that no A-list celebrity will really go near those awards. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just, we need to raise the bar, but is BET the platform to do it? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. That's the question. Yeah. And I think that is the response yeah um i think bet has to determine who is your target audience i think similarly there were complaints about essence fest about you know some of the performances yeah. there and yeah. really them feeling like they they didn't know who any of the performers were or the the content was not for the demographic that typically goes there and i think a lot of um Entertainment is trying to really cater to Gen Z. They're trying to cater to, you know, just different populations than what they were built upon. And that's cool, but you can't alienate the base that built you without kind of just saying, like, yo, we're pivoting. And where then do we go? You know, I feel like millennials and like early Gen X, we're in like a really awkward spot right now because TV is not really for us. Movies aren't really for us. It just feels like we're out here floating and all we have to hang on to is like watching our friends on Instagram. And I just want some entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh 
that's baby. I gotta watch my friends have fun on their little girls' trips, and I'm like, ooh, a movie. But I'm like, give us some entertainment that is tailored for us. But on the flip side of things, I do wonder. I, I read a lot about how people get more conservative the older that they get. True. So I'm wondering, are we getting to an age where we're turning into the aunties? And everything is like, oh, child, them kids acting crazy, you know? And so I have to check myself. Like, am I being judgmental? Am I not, like, embracing younger people and what they like? Or is a part of it that there's just nothing that's catering to me? Like, they're like, we're fine if you're an audience, but you're not our target audience. That's what I really think it is. (laughs) And, you know, and I agree with you. And I think think that we are in a weird space. And I think... BET and and those kind of things are in a very weird space because like you said, they're trying to pivot because this generation and what they deem as music or what they deem as cultural influences are maybe not even too different to what we may have felt like back in the day, but it, it, to us, it's a lot more kind of, okay. Cause like, you know, I ain't got them Meg knees no more. My, my knees are not Meg. Okay. My knees are, they a bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a grown woman now. I can't drop it. Like anyway, but you know, so I think, but I think that we are, I think we're in a very interesting predicament because even watching some of the BET awards, me and my husband were like, Oh, oh, okay. Who, what? Oh, okay. The, oh. And then, you know, Buster came on and then he brought out some girl named Bia. And I was like, Ooh. oh, who's Bia? Right. She was, and I come in and, and Buster's doing, and I'm like, what is this? Like, so I feel like there is a space of pivot and we are, and, and I think, I think even with BET, I think that it's a hard place to navigate when you have had an audience for so long and now all of a sudden the audience that you are trying to cater to are completely out of the box and you now got to be like okay we got to let people just walk down the down the the side and just twerk on older men and because you you saw bobby jones's face he was like you twerked on Bobby Jones. It was twerk- they was twerking near Bobby. Bobby was like the blood of Jesus. Where's <laughs> the world coming to? <laughs> when they, but this is the thing. They would have never known who Bobby Jones is. They would look at him like, oh, man. Right. His show's right. been off. They were probably kids when his show went off. And my question, I think my big, big, big complaint about this year's awards. This was 50 years of hip hop. Now, let's not talk about that. Like she's cooking, she's cooking years of hip hop. And as a hip hop head, as a person who I I mean, I had great expectations because when MTV wouldn't play us for hip hop, BET came through. Why didn't we get a recreation of the basement? Like, where was the homage to hip hop for real? It was so lackluster. And yeah. that is where I was disappointed. I was like, not only do we have to watch a subpar show, but we also don't get a real honoring of 50 years of hip hop. Man, I, like I, that sent me over the edge. And that's why I couldn't engage because I went to, so out here, I'm in B-more. They have an Afram Fest. And at the Afram Fest, Spinderella, who is, if you don't, you know, for the people out there, it's Salt and Pepper's DJ from back in the day. 
But she got on that turntable and did a set to pay homage to the 50 years. Like it, I'm just, ins- I feel like a little insulted because I feel like BET, you're a music channel. You really could have came a lot right. harder. You didn't even have to have all of the people. You could have played a mix. You could have had everyone do dances to the different songs. There's so many things, but it's like, I feel like, like I, like what Adwa said, it's almost like you're stuck between Gen Z and the millennials and Gen X and I don't really know if they have an idea of who they're actually trying to target because they're kind of just like throwing things out and it's really all over the place. So that was, you know, led me to my comment to say BET just may not be the platform because right now yeah. they have to figure out what platform are they actually I mean, on. Yeah. Yes. You dropped the ball. 50 years of music, you did not have to do a whole big five. No. Like, you could have got Spinderella to get up there. You could have gotten yeah. Moni Love. You could have gotten so there's so many hip hop artists that are out there that could have come on, that could have done a song, or that you could have even just did a video homage. Yeah. They dropped the yeah. ball. It was yeah. a missed opportunity. And they hyped us up. Remember after the big Grammys uh hip hop thing, which I think the Grammys did a great job of honoring hip hop that LL Cool J did. They missed a lot of people, but it was a good job for the Grammys. And BET tweeted out, wait till our show. So we were waiting. And we still and waiting. waiting. <laughs> and you see, that's the thing. I think that you said something that is so key. BET started out with music. Like all these shows that we see now, we forget that that's an evolution mm-hmm. of who they were. And so that, and I completely forgot about that, but that in itself is like, wait a minute, guys. And so I think, yeah, I think BET is going to have a, a little struggle because they're going to have to decide. And let me also say this, they have to decide. Because when I was thinking about it, when you think about, let's even, let's even say from 1985, let's say from 1985, just for now, till like maybe 2005, if you think about music in that space, even though there may have been different ebbs and flows of it, you can pack it and be like, yo, this is going to be a party. You bring that here now. So that's why I think that BET is having such a problem because even though the music may have shifted, it was so it it was so much for the soul. It was so much for the culture. It was so much for driving who we were as a people that now some of the music is just very tinny. It's very it's tin pan. And so now it's like, well, how long is this really going to last? Because you mm. see it just, it keeps fluctuating. Well, yeah. for, for a good 10, 15, 20 years, they had something that they could really sit in and build. And now it's like, okay, yeah, I don't know. Everybody's music is the same. Everybody's the no, 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 don't forget about, you know, millennials and Gen X. We we want to support and we want to, you know, be a part of your movement of media. But you got to make some stuff for us because, baby, I can't sit through another one of those. Period. And I we have money. We got money that we, we really spend. Hello? But We're I mean, in our soft era. That's Hello. <laughs> I got another conversation. Anyway, <laughs> let's keep it moving, ladies. So. Uh-oh. We about to find out what's happening on these internet streets. Okay, so recently, 
Keith Lee, a well-known food critic, was highlighted on a blog for expressing how much he loved his wife and how he started and he started crying when he saw how beautiful his wife looked. The comments went left, expressing he was probably hiding a girlfriend or that he was love bombing her while potentially gaslighting her. So my questions are, why do we say in one breath goals and we want someone to treat us well to then question his manhood for his expression of love? And then I'll answer the second question late. Or, or and let me ask the next question. Have you ever found yourself picking apart someone's happiness or relationship? And if so, how did how how do you feel better about it? Like, do you feel better about it? Or how did you do better? I'll start out my first comment by saying, Earth is ghetto. I wanna yeah. leave. I wanna leave. There you go. I'm with you. So I just I mean, if you if you really tune into the internet streets, you will find yourself angry, single, and just jaded. Like, I mean, if you don't acknowledge how she looks, you don't comment her, then the internet says one thing. Now, if you're commenting her, commenting on her to the point where you're emotional, you've been brought to tears because of how beautiful your wife is. Like you're hiding another girlfriend. Like, sir, is this is like is this in 2023? Is this where we are at? Girl. Like that math doesn't even add up. It just you you crying because I'm so beautiful now means you got another woman. Got another what? woman. How is the math mathing on that? I just want to say two very quick things. One, I want people to stop using. Uh, psychology terminology that they don't understand. I want people to get rid of their their pseudo, you know, therapy jargon. I want them to put it down. No more. Because we are just spewing out words that we don't know the meanings to for real. We read one meme on somebody's reel and now we think we know everything. I want it to stop. I just do. I really wanted to stop. Second thing, Keith Lee uh, is the purest soul on the internet, and I want people to be nice to him. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Pure. He's pure. It's crazy to me. I'm like, I I just don't even know how to talk about this. Like, this man actually loves his wife like he looks at her and you can imagine he's thinking like yo this is my she's mine forever and you have the audacity to fix your lips your typing fingers to say something crazy because you are bitter you are lonely and you're upset because let it have been you and your man saying that and crying. You'd be like, that'd be my man. I can't. I'm so done. I, and Whitney, I think you said it perfectly. I feel like we need to stop with this conversation. Like we can psychoanalyze everybody. We think that we've done the degree because we've watched five reels. Like you don't even know what gaslighting really is and what it really does. Like stop it. It's, I can't. I can't. It's sickening. No, and to answer your second, oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's no, it's very frustrating to hear those words because, first of all, people throw gaslighting around like gaslighting, narcissist, and love bombing. 
Like those are the three go-tos. And I'm looking at people like when you use narcissists, have y'all ever dealt with a narcissist? Because it's really a real narcissist, a real live one. And y'all are just throwing this where, oh, he, no, you have not experienced a narcissist because a narcissist will destroy you and make you question yourself, make you question your sanity, make you question everything. So I'm just tired of all of this jargon being thrown around, like love bombing. Like that's not love bombing. He's married to that woman. He was for years for years. Uh, and and also, can we just point out the girl looks good? Okay, like sis looked good. He also like told the story about how they were trying to give him a stylist, and he didn't feel like that was like right for them. He hires his cousin to be the stylist, and he was just like. In the moment, you you go from having, you know, the experiences that he's had to becoming this, like, you know, global sensation, getting invited to an award show that means so much to our culture, your wife getting to go with you, your cousin styling her to perfection. I mean, that's going to make me cry right now, and I don't even know them. <laughs> Why are we mad at this man for crying about his the woman he pledged his life to. I I hope that a man sees me one day and thinks I look so good that he's going to cry about it. Come through. Right. Cry about me. Start crying. Let me see. Right. And if that's love bombing, then bomb the love. Okay. Bomb me. Bomb me. If that's gaslighting, <laughs> light me up. <laughs> light me up. But there was someone used, there was a, a reel that I had saw. As a matter of fact, yesterday where a girl was talking about she had gone on a really nice date, everything was fine. And then, you know, the gentleman didn't try anything. And then he followed up by sending her a spa basket. And she was like, no, red flag. I said, you know what? I I got off the internet. At that point, I turned off my phone and I went and did other things because I was just like, what? I love a spa basket. Are we so, are we, are we? Oh, this is another conversation. So I'm not going to go there, but are we so adverse and so used to toxicity that the minute someone actually shows genuine kindness and care, we think it's a red flag. It's bonkers. Yeah. It's also that I heard, I can't think of this guy's name. He's like a popular black male therapist. That's like on the internet a lot. And he, Mention this word confluence, I believe is what the word is. And it's basically how people don't no longer have their own personality because they have adopted the personality of another group. It happens a lot on the internet. And I think that a lot of people who spend the majority of their day online no longer can tell the difference between themselves and the people that they watch. And so if the people that they watch feel like that's love bombing or too much, it becomes true for them. And I need people to, as the people on the internet say, go touch some grass, get off your phone and go. And I sound like an old lady. This is no, like not don't. even my no, personality. Let her cook. Let her cook. Like, Let her cook. Get off your phone and go develop your own thoughts because it is becoming dangerous. Like the group think is out of control. And I need people to form their own opinions about mm-hmm. what they think and what they believe. It's bothering me. No, everything you just said, everything you just said, all of that, because yeah, like what? And I mean, that's something, and that puts you in a position, like you always have to reset. Like I always have to reset. Well, no matter what experience I have with the other sex, the net I reset 
and, it, and we start over. I am. I pray that I am never so jaded that someone comes along and shows me genuine interest. And I'm like, girl, you know, this simp brought me a, a spa basket. Like, well, I want a spa. Like, I'm still stuck on the spa basket. <laughs> that's You know, that's like really thoughtful. Like, Right. You know, I should have a, like a little bath bomb, a little facial cream. Right. I'm, I'm, I was into it. I was very, I was basket me, please. <laughs> she said basket me. Right. Accepting spa baskets, just in case. Okay. <laughs> so, like the other question I had is, have you ever found yourself picking apart someone's happiness or relationship? And if so, how did you do better? Yeah, I was in my hater stage. I have. I was in, and not even a (laughs) hater phase, but I was just in a phase like, okay, let me tell you how I felt. I felt like I picked someone's relationship apart because I was like, why are you showing us so much of your relationship? That was my thought process. Cause like, it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, I was like this, 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 and this, because you're showing us too much. There are certain things you shouldn't show us until you've made it through. Once you've made it through, come back and show us the foolishness because we can handle the foolishness when, but don't come foolishness. Like even like right now, guys, like, I don't know if they're still together, but I don't know if they're together, but this Kiki Palmer and her baby father thing, I'm like, bruh, there's a conversation. This is a conversation for your WhatsApp. This is a conversation for your message to your baby mother, baby girl. You know how I feel, but this is not a conversation. And this is what I'm saying. Like, I agree with the both of you. We are so quick to be, to jump in and be like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) show you everything. And then it puts me in a position where I'm like, I don't want to have an opinion, but you've made me have an opinion. And now I have an opinion. Now I feel bad to have an opinion. That's a good point. I wish that my uh, reason for picking apart somebody's relationship was that mature, but I did. De- I've had a hater phase. I ain't, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not too uh, shame to admit it. I mean, you know, I think we've all done it in our yeah. immaturity, where you look at people and you're like, oh my god, nobody's that happy when you see people just like blissfully in love. But then I'm like, girl, why are you so mad at people being happy? Like, maybe they are that happy. And I really did have to like. I think the internet, because we grew up with it, we saw people go through all the phases of how to use it. And I remember early in Instagram just being like, ooh, like y'all just telling us everything and showing us all like relationship goals. I hate like that's that was my hater season. I was like, I don't, I don't want what they have. Like nobody's that happy all the time. But what I have learned to do is a very magical thing that we could all do keep scrolling. I don't have to look at it. You know, it's, it's a miracle. You could just move your finger up the page and then you're looking at something else. So move on. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, as far as the picking apart someone's happiness, I don't think I've ever found myself doing that, but the relationship, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've had commentary on even within my circle. Like if I feel like the relationship or if you're telling me the relationship is a problem, or if I feel like something has changed in your dynamic, because Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you have a circle, when you have a sister circle, you know, your sisters. So, you know, when one of your sisters is off, you know, when her mood is off, you know, when something is wrong. So in that instance, but as far as just, I think for me, the oversharing kind of, it just annoys me because when you overshare, 
and you're putting the highs, you got to put the highs and the lows. You got to put when there's a new partner and then everyone's like, well, what happened to the boy or girl you posted last week? Now this is a new one. This is your new king. This is like your fifth king for 2022. So in that aspect, you know, I'm trying to do better with that. But it's like, I don't come like we don't come from the era where our teenage years, our early 20s were overshared. Right. right? So right. I think yeah. that's why, right. number one, that's why I have a job because <laughs> if social media was around during my high school slash college days, no boo boo. They would have been like, you're not a good ma'am. Like, <laughs> hi, you're not a good fit. But I say, I say, like, I've known people just throughout the years because I mean, most of the people I have on my social media are people that I know in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, there are very few people that I don't know. However, like people I've gone to college with, like, do you have to post every single person that you've dated? Because now this is 20 years of this. I grad, yeah, I'm dating myself. But um, <laughs> this is 20 years of this constant, you're posting a different person. And then it's like, it's hard to not have commentary. Like, right. it's hard to. Like, you know, I mean, I, I've been guilty of it. Like, w- the other day, as a matter of fact, somebody <laughs> said... <laughs> This is a safe space, Kwase. Look, safe space. So, safe spaces. Someone had posted their like ninth spouse in the last two years. So, you know, I was a little messy and I sent it to the group chat and I'm like, hey, is a new one? And, you know, we all had a little chuckle and we kept it moving, but it's just because you overshare everything. Like, I know everywhere you went to eat, I know every trip you took, I know who you took to where. It's just, like you wrote yeah. us in, and then people will get defensive. Like mind your business. No, you brought us right. in. I was minding my business on Facebook <laughs> when you decided that you wanted to talk about how you caught your man cheating, and yeah. you know, like you you you're giving us all of the tea. Like I want season two of the drama. Then come exactly. on, like, you know, beginning. right? I, I follow all my shows. I watch from start to finish. Right. So, but in the essence, I am trying to do better as far as you know. I would yeah. I don't think I would pick apart if people are genuinely happy, yes. But when people right. yes. just do silly stuff like you're posting every aspect yeah. of everything, like they yeah. got me waking up. What did they break up? Like, why do I but care? it's hard for me <laughs> to believe that people are genuinely happy because it's like everybody's putting on a facade. So I think that's why it's so easy to pick it apart because the people that I believe were genuinely happy, they played me. And then I had to watch them break up. So I made me a skeptic. That's a good (laughs) The grand opening. Anyway. (laughs) Right. Like, can I get an update? Anyway, we'll talk offline. Ladies, tell me, what do y'all think are some steps that we can take daily to make our culture and community better you know outside of calling people out on social media which is just the easy thing to do how do we really make our community better y'all ever saw that dave Chappelle, that dave Chappelle skit where he was like what can black people do to improve their (laughs) community and they asked different people white and black and someone a white guy was like well i don't know and dave Chappelle was like that's correct <laughs> That's the moment I feel that you're home. Like that is a it's a loaded question. It's a hard question. I don't even know if it's a question that can realistically be answered because I feel like 
the culture slash community has fractured itself so badly. How do you begin to try to put it together? Yeah. Like even the calling out of people on social media, most recently when was it? Is it Reverend Run? Oh, Russell uh, Simmons. Simmons, right. And Kim Russell Morgan. Simmons. And then it's like, you know, like, but are we really in a society where this is the norm? Like, I'm going to put my parents on the internet because we don't know the backstory to that, but it's just that it is, it's acceptable to go on social media, to air your family's dirty laundry, to have people that are complete strangers and don't know any of the background to hone in and give their opinion and, and have their say. I, I don't know because I've been on both sides. I've, done activism work. I mean, I'm still part of why accountability, whoop, whoop, even though I'm in Maryland, but at the same time, I've been in the streets talking right. to the youth. We've protested. We've gone in the community. We have fed the community. We've clothed the community. We've provided them with, in New York, we have what's called Metro cards to use the subway station. We've gone into the subways and swiped them. I mean, I don't know. I don't, there's, I don't know how we can make it better Unless, like, I don't want to be corny, but like Michael Jackson said, it starts with the man in the mirror. Right. Like, yeah. you, can, you know, raise your tribe and make sure that right. you're surrounded by like-minded people. Right. Um, yeah, and start making your own communities. Like, I just, I'm just tired of this, that, of this, that we need a seat at the table. When, look at in the 1920s, even though they completely destroyed it, Black people made an entire thriving town. There yeah. were rich black people at a time where there was still racism. There was still segregation. There was still the KKK. So it's like, how did they do that? Because whatever it is that they did, that's what we need to transfer into 2023. Mm -hmm. Because a hundred years later, we are fractured and we have way more resources than what they had, way more opportunities. And yet mm -hmm. we're still trying to yeah. mesh where we don't belong. So I, I, yeah. What answer? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think that's real. I think what the last 10 years on the internet has taught me, uh, and sadly has taught me, is that these the idea that we had around a unified culture Ooh. does not exist. Oh it was it was a fairy tale. I, I hate to say oh. it. But like we had this misunderstanding that across the globe, everybody that looks like me, thinks like me, believes like me, wants to live how I do. And I think until we dismantle that ideology, we're going to find ourselves disappointed. And, yeah. and I think you said the right thing. We've got to build our communities where we are. Like we have to be concerned about our direct sphere of influence. We yeah. unfortunately have, I heard a pastor call this like too much global care. We know too much about what's going on in the world everywhere that we can't even just be concerned with our block anymore. Right. And we got to get back to being concerned about our block. Like okay. your area has to be what's important to you. And when you begin to focus on that, then we will see the greater culture come back together and change. But I do think we have to give up this fairy tale that there's this one culture. Just because we all like the same memes doesn't mean our politics are the same, doesn't mean our work, you know, activism is the same and our work is the same. It is different. And if you focus on your block, you might be all right. 
I love that because I'm thinking about like I remember when I when I was growing up in Brooklyn. I remember and when you're talking about and I know I we're bringing it like back home like this this local, but I remember when I growing up in Brooklyn and the block we lived on. I remember I got run over. Right, listen to how crazy this is. I got run over by a car. Man. It was my fault because I wasn't paying attention. But I, it wasn't a bad hit. It wasn't bad. I was able to get up and kind of walk away. And I remember this this older lady that lived on our block was coming. And she saw, she was like, Adjua. She grabbed me like she was my mother. And she was like, little girl, if you do not, da 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 And she's like, and when your mama come home, I'm going to tell her too. Make sure, let me watch you get to school. Like she did that. And everybody was just like, oh, wait, now you now. And, but there was this, block kind of feeling and I love when you said that because it felt like though my mom wasn't around there was someone there looking out for their community looking out for the kids you come to the end of the block people will be in the shops they knew maybe you don't have the money here you go baby like so I think we have to I I like I like it's it's like what Kwasi said we don't know what the global scale is, but I know what it means for the Ramses mm-hmm. and that those who are connected to the Ramses. This is what we're going to show them. This is how we're going to love on them. This is how we're going to encourage them and build them up and let them know that there is so much more for them. So I think, yeah, I think it has to, unfortunately it does. It almost has to become insular before we can go out. And I think we've, we've been trying to fix the world and yeah. not, our world. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What you said about the global peace. And that's the truth. We know yeah. about what's going on in Palestine. We know about what's going right. on in Ukraine. We know about what's going on in France. Shout out to France, by the way. We know mm-hmm. what's going on in France. We know what's going on all over the world. But what's going on in New York? What's going right. on in Baltimore? Because let right. me tell you something. It's a big difference out here. And it's like when you try to look Outwardly, like I've juggled some ideas of trying to like start a, a Maryland branch of our organization out here, but I don't know. It's it's, right. it's like I can only focus on me and my tribe around and hope that they incorporate their tribe, and then it just starts mm-hmm. being like a whole little circle of different tribes. But I think the first thing we need to do is start creating our own communities. We need to bring back the Tulsa's and all of the thriving black towns that were around during those times, because when you are responsible for you, and I was just having this conversation with a friend last night, when you're responsible for your neighborhood, it's a different feel. You're not going to come and shoot up your neighborhood. You're not going to have different kinds of things going on one because it's your community Everyone knows each other. Everyone is around each other. Everyone has stakes in the community. And I think that's what, what is it? Listen, when you think about that, think about that beautiful community, you know, that every one of those shops were a family owned business. That was that was who you were eating with on a Sunday. Like yeah. you know, like everybody coming down here this Sunday. We we cooking the gumbo. We cooking this. We got you. It 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 was built from the ground up with families that were like we are doing this together and we're bringing everybody in. That's a that's because, a deep concept. Because when you care 
when you have too many things to care about, you can't care about anything. Ooh. We're trying to take on too much. It's like, back up. You can't fix the whole world, but you really can't impact that kid on your block who you see needs new shoes. Like, you can help them. That's that's like one kid that you can make a difference in, which can completely transform their life for this season. And right. it's like, we've got to bring our focus back to making the main thing the main thing. Like where you are is what you need to be trying to impact. Yes, let's pray for these other countries. Let's do what we can if you have the resources. But if you're not doing anything in your own spot, what's the yes. Why? Like why? Why, yeah. why are you, like why? And this is, uh, yeah, why? Somebody I graduated from high school with, she moved to Texas and she's been like encouraging other black families to move in the area that she's moving in. And I'm like, you know, I'm all for stuff like that. I really right. would love to one day have a community where I'm living in the same complex as all of my sisters and, you know, I'm driving or I'm walking over to your house and, but we're all in our community. We're going to keep our community safe. We're going to keep our community clean and everybody is vested because it's yours. It's something yeah. that you belong to. It's your focal point. It's the primary thing that you care about. But like, you can't blame some of these people. I mean, if you're living in urban areas where you're not getting the funding that you're not supposed to be getting. So you have all the systemic drama. So you're worried about yeah. the systemic drama. You're worried about the financial drama. If you have kids, you're worried about your kids and the street drama. How can you be focused on fixing so I, I definitely right. agree with that part. I think it, it's like it starts with the man in the mirror. Like Michael said, you get your tribe, you get your like minded people and y'all start making your own communities. And I think like what you were saying, um, Kwase, I am so for that, like. Thinking about, hey, having all of my family and my friends all in that that's that vicinity where we can be like, this is what we're building, because then you teach you teach those coming up under you value for what you have. And that's the thing that I think uh, this generation under us is lacking. They're lacking this place, the space of valuing, really valuing what they have or valuing the family that they, it, there's, there's such a disconnect in that, but oh girl, that this is a bigger conversation. Right. Right. You know, we know what that means. We know we're gonna have to come back on here again because we just there's so many things we didn't cover and we just need to. So, guys, this is the part of the show. Play the sad music. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, <laughs> share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. Seated with Strangers is a full experience podcast, so check out the show notes for more ways to engage with us. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye. The originals.